You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hey, hello, hello, everyone. Uh, well, this is the very first episode after the big, very big <laughs> two-year uh, pose for the Brand Architect. Uh, I just think that today uh, is is the right time to to revisit everything that uh, that is happening to your life. Look at what could be done differently. And I just realized that you know I, I really missed the experience and I really missed having my own personal podcast. Uh, so um, I'm I'm restarting the whole thing. Uh, Brand Architect is back, and uh, my first guest of of the relaunch show is Chris Walker. Um, the way I'm picking the guests, by the way, uh, I'm not looking for exp- uh, influencers. I'm looking for experts, right? I, I'm looking for people who actually know their stuff. I, I think that's more valuable to, to the audience and, and you get more knowledge like that. And you talk to real people versus, you know, people who just, you know, pretend to be someone else. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy to have you over. Thanks for agreeing to come over, Chris. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Super happy to uh, to chat about whatever we're going to cover today. Uh, yeah. So I noticed you. Uh, I, I, I guess many of us have been this shift and transformation to using LinkedIn more often these days uh, than before. A few years ago, if people would say that LinkedIn would be my preferred platform at the moment, I would probably laugh because it was very Im- improbable, but things changed a lot, and and uh, I I noticed you, and we got connected on LinkedIn, and the way I'm noticing people is um, by the way they put content out there, and and what they do, and how much engagement are they getting, and how genuine they are. So. Um, you were one of the people who were consistently putting out good quality stuff out there and uh, was not kind of, you know, getting into this uh, drop a comment here, uh, you know, uh, let's do this, let's do that, let's be part of the pods and everything else. So um, that's how I discovered you. But I'll let you introduce yourself. Sounds good. Fantastic. Yeah, if someone told me 24 months ago, that LinkedIn would be the primary platform that I use and I barely log into Instagram or Facebook or other channels that I used a lot more before, um, I'd be very surprised and now here we are. So uh, yeah. so my, my name's uh, Chris Walker. I am a, uh, a marketing practitioner. I've, work, I've worked with a lot of venture-backed growth stage, com- rapidly growing companies that have raised money or trying to grow faster. Um, I did that as an employee leading brand demand gen and, and overall marketing with several different companies over the past five years of my career. And then about 12 months ago, I saw an opening where the model that I had run at two companies in a row was having a lot of success. And I looked out in the world and I said, wow, look, like every SaaS company could use this. They're running demand gen in a very traditional way. Let's do SEO and conferences and webinars where we do top of funnel information and we have a bunch of people sign up and then our SDRs call them and nobody converts and let's run conversion-based social media ads and get a bunch of leads for $10 and nobody closes the revenue and let's not produce audience-focused content and all of these different things that I continue to see and have it, I have developed a different way to do things that I think is more buyer-focused, more effective, um, overall, just a better go-to-market strategy. And so now we work with about 12, uh, 12 companies and continue to grow that base and are seeing really good success. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So um, how was the transition from working for someone else versus like, you know, I, I know that many people, many people, probably like nine out of 10 you talk to would like to do that. But there are so many obstacles in terms of different excuses. Uh, the real one being probably the self-doubt or the fear. Uh, so how did you feel about that? What, was it an easy step to make? or? Yeah, so I think things always feel harder until you do them. Yeah. No matter no matter what it is, driving a car, swimming when you're young, riding a bike, uh, starting your own business, it always feels harder. I, I do, as I reflect 
think that it, it did feel harder. And then once you get into it and you're committed to it and you work, you learn, like you just learn how to, how to do it. Um, I think one of the pieces where it was a lot easier for me is even when I worked inside of companies, I felt a lot more like a consultant than an employee. Okay. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. come into, I would come into companies, they would be doing things a certain way and I would completely rethink how they did things so at the beginning of my career, how they would do manufacturing and supply chain or what products they would develop. And then that mm-hmm. started moving into how are we going to uh, do uh, go, how are we going to go to market? And then how are we going to do marketing communications? And then how are we going to do demand gen? It always, uh, I would always take a very, I would work outside of what my job description was, find a very high level business problem that I felt I was equipped to solve. And then I would go solve that while still doing my day job. For people that are working inside of their jobs right now, that is one huge takeaway is that if you want to accelerate your career, you need to excel in your current role and you then go find places where you can add value that make a meaningful impact to the business. And then you build skills. And then if you're successful in those, then you go and do that. You have to create your, you have to create your own job inside of, uh, inside of the company you work at. Yeah, I agree. It absolutely makes sense. So, um, I mean, absolutely. I'm sure that your marketing knowledge and all the other skill sets that you developed kind of help you with 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 your new venture right now. So, um, startups um, exposure and and having people know about uh, your existence is very important. But that's something that many people struggle with when they are just starting out because they're they get overwhelmed with so many other aspects of the business that marketing kind of starts shifting towards non-priority lists, which I think is wrong. But uh, ha- for someone who's just starting and has a startup, what are the first steps that you think they should take into account in marketing? Like how should they go out there while they don't yet have, you know, customer case studies, they don't have yet a portfolio to showcase? Uh, how do you start? Yeah, so I think the first thing that we need to figure out to guide this discussion is what type of business are we talking about? Are we talking about a uh, a startup that has no money and one employee and sells a service like the company that I started 12 months ago? Or are we talking about a venture-backed company that is starting up that just raised a couple million dollars and is trying to figure out how to spend them and they sell a product are we product service and then where does that company sit and then i can answer with a little bit more context okay let's uh let's follow your example i think it's 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 like a real life example and and very uh you know uh time-wise quite close to to today so let's let's follow your journey okay sure um so i think uh I, it's at, at its most super basic level. Um, if you're trying to grow a big business, I think you need to figure out what you're actually selling, mm-hmm. how much, how to justify the value of what you're selling, and make sure the most important, important, make sure that you're differentiated. Yeah, I've been able to grow really fast because I'm selling something in a different way that is a different approach to a very targeted set of people. So it's, what are you selling? How are you differentiated? What audience are you selling to? How can you get as niche as possible? So I've go, I've started, just so you can understand my journey, I started targeting B2B companies. Mm-hmm. Product service didn't matter, industry didn't matter, size didn't matter, um, number of employees. And now, like the ideal profile is, B2B SaaS with an average contract value of $8,000 to $50,000 a year with less than $50 million in revenue, but more than $2 million in revenue that has at least three marketing employees and has a dedicated marketing leader, not a CRO. That is the ideal profile. Um, Very, uh, it's very focused and it's counterintuitive because a lot of people want to go after this huge market. But when you get more narrow, you do better, especially yeah. at the beginning. If you're for everyone, then you're for no one at the end of the day. Exactly. Right? So, uh, exactly. so yeah. that's, that's kind of like one of the journeys, uh, journeys on a target. Now let's get back to your question. So like, what do you 
now you have your product and it delivers value and you know how to position it. Let's pretend all those things are figured out. So what are you going to do next? Um, if you have no money, my suggestion would be to obviously you need to go organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on what you're selling, you need to figure out what channel is going to work the best. Most B2B companies today probably would have the most success on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because of the organic reach, the attention, all these different uh, dynamics that may not be around that may not have been existed 12 months before us and may not be at the same place in 12 months from now. But right now, it's probably the best place to go. And then what are you going to do? You, um, My thought would be to create content the way that I did it and the way that I would recommend doing it at the beginning is to start a podcast like what we're doing right now, video ideally, and go and call 20 people at companies in the job titles that you'd want to sell to Mm -hmm. and interview them. Ask if they want to be on your podcast about a topic that they are an expert in and then just put that content out. And ideally it doesn't have to do with your product. And through that, through that execution, you get market research, you get content organic, you build a relationship with that person. That person will share it if the content's good, that person, they're happy about it, they'll share it with their network, which gets you exposure to all those things. There are a lot of different reasons why that is the best use of time with when you have no resources. That's what I would, that's what I would say. And then I would do that um, as frequently and consistently as possible while still maintaining the, you know, being able to keep the lights on and run the business. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, the content uh, you, you said, yeah, obviously it's 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 very nice when you're getting guests who have bigger audiences and they they like the content and they share it with their audiences. Um, sometimes, uh, yeah, part of it you you have to do yourself, right? You you have to to share your own content and try to have as many eyeballs to it as possible. And then there is this hard balance between self promotion, but at the same time, kind of you know getting out there. Um, how how do you tackle? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't find it to be a very hard uh, a hard balance. I think it's a hard balance for people that are short term focused that don't understand how to build a brand. Okay. So people, uh, a lot of people confuse the difference between sales and marketing, and they think that they're the same. Yeah, but they're not. True. True. So most people, most people think they're doing marketing. They're actually doing sales. Okay, by selling themselves in this case. Um, I mean, putting out a post with some information and saying, hey, come come work with my company, we'll give you a good deal, that's sales. Yeah. Regardless of what channel you're using, this is channel agnostic, it's intent-based. Are you trying to sell someone and convert someone to a customer? Or are you trying to build brand and create relationships, which then create sales later? There's a okay. huge di- there's a huge difference that people and the miss. The better you do the first part, probably the easier the other part comes organically as a result, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, both. It's clear that both ways can work. There are plenty of companies that have been super successful, hundred percent sales. There are plenty of companies that have been successful that are hundred percent brand and marketing. So yeah. both way both ways can work, but it's it's recognizing the difference, and most people most people don't. And so uh, when we get back to like the example where I was like, create content and interview these people and put it out on LinkedIn, most people will will revert to, let me go buy, let me go scrape an email list and get phone numbers and go into sales mode. That's the Mm -hmm. way that most people will approach it, whether it's a, whether it's somebody in their living room trying to build a consulting business, or it is a product-based company that is a startup trying to grow. They're going to go hire 10 SDRs. They're going to go full on sales mode. And they'll figure out the marketing later or they'll just completely push it off. Or if they do do marketing, it's going to be sales-driven marketing, performance marketing stuff that gives leads to sales. That's all the, that's all the focus is. Um, and so being able to recognize that difference, and if you look into the marketing category and being able to say, okay, this is my marketing, uh, my mind share, my mm-hmm. budget, my resource allocation, which how much what slice of that pie is going to go to performance marketing google adwords conversion based social whatever you know direct response email what percentage of my time and money and resources are going to go there and how what big what slice of the pie is going to go to brand 
Mm-hmm. And when anything that brand brand is not, I don't consider brand to be your logo and your colors. I consider it to be any execution where the success of the execution is not measured on direct ROI. Yeah. There is ROI on a lot of brand activities that's not attributable and not measured, not, not measured in that piece. I cannot say that the LinkedIn post I put out 43 days ago generated me this many sales. Yeah. But I can say that putting out a piece of content on LinkedIn almost every day for the past six months got me millions of dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. That is the difference. Yeah. Um, and most people will not give brand enough time to get to that type of magnitude. They will make yeah. they will make seven posts on LinkedIn, say, I didn't get any leads, uh, I got 10 likes, this isn't worth it, and just go back to doing the same dumb shit they were doing before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, everyone is is very often looking for a magic button and a quick fix. And and, uh, in order to get sustainable results, it's very hard... Uh, you know, to convince people that it's it's about uh, consistent efforts. It's there is no shortcut. There is no magic button. Uh, people who are selling you courses about making millions just by spending fifteen minutes online is 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 not really the case, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, right, mm-hmm. it's just uh, not working that way. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of services that position themselves as magic bullets, which they're not. I lose a lot of business because I tell people the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I go in and say, you're probably not going to see an impact for three months because we need, we have a process. We know that it works, but we're going to do things the right way. And the right way is not running a bunch of ads to get you leads that aren't going to close. And so if you want to, yeah. if you want a hundred leads and get to in zero dollars in revenue, go find someone else to work with. Cause there's people that could do that for you. There's people that can send spam LinkedIn messages and, and destroy your brand over time and get you some sales conversations and no sales. If you want that, go somewhere else. And so, um, yeah. I, and, and that I, I will lose revenue in the short term, but by being upfront about that, I just remove people that aren't going to be good to work with anyway. Yeah. And I focus on the people that believe in, in the process are in it and we have a lot of successful relationships that way. So it's uh it's by taking a long-term view that yes, we'll lose clients in the short term, but we'll only work with clients that are going to that are set up for success. And when we get through one or two cycles of 10 clients having really good results, that's where you create word of mouth brand that injects a lot of future growth. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a long term. I mean, it's it's worth the investment and it's a long term uh, thing, but you'll see it later and it will be a way better ROI versus just a short term. Uh, and it plays into product based businesses, too. Yeah, it, pl- it plays into product based businesses, too, that are too short term focused, that jam in people that are not good fits for the product. They're going to churn after three months. And then what happens when people don't recognize the they look at it very directly okay we got the revenue and then they churned what they don't see is okay we had those hundred customers they churned within six months and then what do they say when people ask them about the product yeah and they they completely they completely forget about the fact that the word of mouth of what other people say is by far the most impactful thing in this in the world i don't care what marketing or sales tactics or whatever you're doing it's what people say about you when some Absolutely. when I, when I call somebody else and say, "Hey, I was looking at the software product. What do you think?" And somebody else tells me, "Well, it was a hundred thousand dollars a year. We got rid of it because it wasn't worth it, and it didn't work, and the implementation was too long, and there was no support." Blah blah blah. That's what drives businesses forward. When some when you call somebody and say, "Yeah, it's the best product I've ever used. You should buy it," and then you get a ton of new business, organic, no paid ad spend. You're going to attribute it to the SEO worker you're doing or something dumb when actually something different happened. This gets we can get into the I've done enough on the attribution conversation. I'm not sure that there's much to be had there. But it's it's about having a lot of a lot of empathy and understanding for how buying processes happen in in a lot of ways that you can't measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the bombarding messages on LinkedIn and kind of cold selling or cold kind of, you know, connecting. Uh, yeah. um, 
that is something that has annoyed me a lot, especially when the first thing you hear from the person is a pitch, right? Um, so is there a way, I mean, I, I had these arguments with different people about uh, if, if it is at all possible to personalize those messages, because even the personalized messages, you kind of feel that they were, you know, you already know what the purpose is and that the person is not really interested into connecting or building relationship. They are just hitting you up because they want to sell to you. So the second, if not the first message is about the pitch, the second one will be coming as a pitch if you reply, right? Mm -hmm. So how... Is it at all worth it to think about personalization and spending so much time about figuring out how to shape the message or the whole, you know, fact of it uh, approaching it, the whole thing that way is is the wrong way to look at it? So the way that I've been thinking about this question recently is not about whether or not it works. It's about whether or not it works better than other alternatives. And mm -hmm. so every company has a limited set of resources, has a limited set of things that they can do. Um, and so with that set of resources, what things are you going to do to drive your brand, your revenue, and your long-term you know, growth and sustainability of the company? And in my view, you know, you pay a, a external source, I don't know, somewhere probably between three and $10,000 a month to do that for you or you pay an SDR or multiple SDRs, five to $7,000 a month to do it inside of your company. And my belief is that that allocation of dollars would be better spent to drive a company forward in another way. Mm -hmm. And so, and then if you go down that path, regardless of the magnitude, right? So if the magnitude is a hundred SDRs or one, it's a bucket of money relative to the total bucket of money that you have. And what are you going to do with it? And so my feeling is find the one or two or three things, especially when you're small, find the one or two or three things that are working the best mm -hmm. and then do the most of them. Very yeah. few com very few companies take that approach. Integrated marketing. Let's do let's be everywhere. Let's make sure we spend a hundred thousand dollars in that trade show booth and let's make sure we buy, you know, the billboards and let's make sure we have our logo on a trash can at the airport and let's make sure we have a ton of banner ads running, retargeting people that nobody sees. And let's do all these different things. Mm -hmm. And actually, we don't really we don't really know which ones are working or not. But like we're everywhere is the thing. And wouldn't it be better to know which one is working the best and then move most of the money to that one and mm -hmm. do it better? And so that's kind of like that's kind of the way that I look at things, right? Like my company right now, we do no outbound selling. No cold haven't since we started the company, haven't made a single cold call. Haven't sent a single cold email. Haven't mm -hmm. sent a single cold LinkedIn DM. Everything comes inbound. So um, we don't do we don't do that. I could have hired somebody 1099 or whatever at the beginning to do that and paid them straight commission, whatever. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, the next thing we uh, we don't go to a lot of companies that are in my space would go to a bunch of trade shows. They would spend $10,000 to be at the inbound inbound conference or these little field marketing conferences for less money or whatever. We don't do that. Um, we don't run banner ads. We don't buy Google AdWords, which a lot of people that do my thing would do um, because we take all that money and energy and effort and go hard on LinkedIn and owned media properties and email. And so... Okay. I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people could find more success if they audited all the things that they're doing and really figured out what's working the best and not what the CRM or the marketing automation platform tells you what's working the best because it's wrong. It doesn't actually tell you what's unless you're running direct response. Google AdWords is probably the only one where you're going to get clear attribution. Even then, it's messy. Um, you have you when you truly, and I, I was reading a book on this last night and it finally made sense to me, is that if you have this big marketing mix like, and you know what you're doing, you can feel it. Like mm -hmm. when, I was, when I was getting five likes on my LinkedIn posts, I knew that was the best place to spend my time. Mm -hmm. Other people don't see it that way. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so, so these days, I mean, uh, I, I'm, the, the, 
The question that I'm getting very, very often these days is, um, I mean, we, we are all stuck at home right now. There are huge shifts in, in, um, in everything, like everyday life uh, on personal level mm-hmm. and also uh, at the same time on a professional level. Loads of anxiety, uncertainty. Uh, we don't know how our businesses are going to progress in the future, how things are going to change because once all this is gone, uh, nothing is going to be exactly the same, right? So at this period, um, some people decide to take a pause and just wait and stop all their marketing activities altogether. Some others did something that is probably even worse, continued whatever was planned as if nothing happened and just, you know, putting out stuff that is no longer relevant or no longer kind of, you know, within the environment. So it looks very awkward and kind of a bit, you know, unsensitive even. So what's the right approach? Like what to do right now when everything for at least few months is going to be like this probably? The short answer is adjust. Um, I think that people that are not looking at what was happening, what they were planning to do 60 days ago, and then what's happening right now and not making adjustments. uh, It's just, frankly, I think it's irresponsible um, Mm -hmm. to not have that at least that discussion or thought process in your own head of what are what's going to how is this changed? How do I need to adjust? Um, I, people have been, the, the way that I see it is that this really unfortunate situation is just going to force people to start doing more of the right things mm-hmm. in my view, in terms of how I see it could be right or wrong. Um, but in my view about it's going to force people to need to do things differently from a marketing perspective and will force them to make choices about what is actually working and what's not and have a hard look at what they what else they could be doing that they probably should have been doing five years ago that they've ignored because the good economy hid inefficiencies in the business where they could probably spend a million dollars in marketing over here and it might not have worked because it was there was enough buying there was about enough need and buying going on that it looked like the marketing was working when it wasn't. Um, I think a lot of companies will run into that situation. Companies over the past five years that were growing at 20 or 30% were growing at the rate of the economy. They were Mm -hmm. not growing at the rate that they should have been. Yeah. And so that those, when the economy slows down, those companies will not continue to grow at that rate. The companies that were growing that were growing at 20 or 30 should have been growing at 60 to 100 if they were doing the right things. And so um, I don't know if that uh, if that really answered your question, if you want to have a, a follow-up, happy to do that. But I think that the like they're forced to not go to events, they're forced to not do events. Um, yeah. I think there's I think there's goods and bads in that. I think that the goods are um, I think a lot of companies that are now that we're gonna have the million dollar user conference or spend the $200,000 on the trade show that got canceled. Let's look at both those, let's look at both those scenarios. The million dollar user conference, the companies are now moving online and doing for free. Yeah. They're going to have 10 to 50x more attendees because it's not in a specific location. It um, doesn't cost money people. So they're gonna have way more attendance. Yeah. The goal of having that conference is content consumption and brand awareness. Mm-hmm this gives them a better opportunity to accomplish that goal. But they never thought about it this way until they were forced to. I think a lot of companies will ditch the in-person user conference over time after they see how well this one can work if executed properly. Um, the $200,000 trade show booth that they didn't that they didn't buy this year because the conference didn't happen or it was postponed. And then they look back six months later and if they tried to measure, they see no negative impact to not having that spend. Or they get forced to have to think about a better way to use that $200,000. And if they know how to use it in the right way, they'll find that the ROI, even though they get some sales from the trade show, there's a better way to use those money to grow faster and more efficiently long-term. And so I think those are some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, on the on the event side, some people that are doing things well, and some one of the things that was working best for my business was having micro events, like almost the anti-trade show in my view, Companies, mm-hmm. instead of spending $200,000 on a trade show booth, 
should be having 10 $20,000 micro events. Yeah. Where, where the main output, the event is great. You get 50 people there, but the main output is that 90 minutes of content created at the event. And so it's, so it's actually becomes half event, but mainly a content engine. And where you actually get the ROI is on the amplification of that video over time. We did two of yeah. them. We did one in January and one in February. Saw really, really strong results on it. It's really unfortunate that we're not able to continue that mission because I think that that was, uh, I think that if that had enough time to play out, which is probably six months, I would have had enough enough data and, and knowledge to go and show the $50 million company how to really change their business by doing one of those, two of those a month in a bunch of different major cities that we'll get, we'll get back to that. Um, my company will and continuing to pursue that because there's the, the approach and overall mission of trade shows has not changed in three decades. Yeah. And, um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to find ways to give companies the best alternatives to the ways that they legacy spend money. And the best way that I figured out how to do that, and it's funny how I got here, because I was telling companies to do this six months ago and nobody did it. Mm. Do this event. Um, you know, you should really start a video podcast. You should really have your CEO be producing content on LinkedIn. And yeah. nobody did it. And so what did I what did I what did I start to do? I started to do it myself so yeah. that I, sh I show them what it looks like. I know how much it works. I know how to do it. I know how to measure it. Um, I know what to look for. And almost every, almost zero consultants would take that approach. I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not an SEO agency. I am mm -hmm. a, I'm a business growth consultant. So I'm, it's agnostic. If it's, if trade shows are the best pace to grow, let's go do those. Yeah. My experience though, is that they're, they're really not. Um, and so anyway, I just, uh, th that little rant, I hope, uh, gives some context to people about the, uh, some of the positives in this, um, in this unfortunate situation, which is that you're going to have probably a lot of flexibility to figure out better ways to do marketing. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I think uh, this situation puts everyone in a position where they are outside their comfort zone uh, and uh, thinks that they, you know, and now they are forced to do the things that they were afraid to try out, right? So um, eventually more and more people will start trying out more things in order to be more creative and finding out alternatives to the things that they couldn't do. And uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, for, for many people, LinkedIn would work, uh, video content will work. Uh, many people um, will, uh, will probably think about, I, I think just the mindset that, you know, now is the time to, to figure out new things. I'm sure eventually we'll bring some new alternatives in place because people will be experimenting because of the situation. And probably, you know, now it's the video, some, some, you know, we will have more alternatives in the future because people will be trying out some new things in order to differentiate. Because as soon as everyone floods and does the videos the way we did it uh, before, or, you know, some new people are doing it now and it works um, and they copy the same approach, then, you know, the ones who started it earlier would probably look for, for something else on top of it or, you know, something differently and then it will evolve. So I think the speed of the development of different new marketing tactics will be, uh, it will be much faster than it was before just because it forces more people to start experimenting. Um, I don't know what's wrong with the, I mean, I was one of the people few years ago who absolutely hated videos and who was like telling I will never get on video. I don't know what is it there about videos, but very often when, when you advise that to someone, the first reaction is like, no, 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 this is not for me. Uh, but probably the more people get into it, the more they see that it's it's not scary. It doesn't really matter how you look. You know, uh, I, I get this term saying face for radio. I mean, these days, 
like it doesn't really matter, right? These days, everyone is on a video. And and very often, the, the feedback I'm getting is very often they don't even watch the video. They listen it to it on the background, totally. right? Because they care about the content rather than, you know, how you look or what you wear or, or, or whether you have a fancy green screen with all these special effects behind you or you're just sitting on your sofa. <laughs> So I think that's another thing that people will start realizing that it's not really about the tech. It's not about the, you know, the fancy stuff and how professional it looks. It's more about your message and how you deliver it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking as, as you went through that is, is I actually, it, it actually doesn't matter to me how many people are doing something. It's, it matters how good you are at it. There's a lot of people that play basketball and not a lot of people make it to the NBA. Yeah. Um, the reason being like as more people flood in and create content it, I think it will just further expose who is good and who's not. Yeah. The, the attention will go up. The people that are bad will get more likes just because there's more people on the platform, but there will be a clear separation between who can do it well, uniquely, originally, consistently, in the best way. Um, and so there's a, a lot of runway on LinkedIn, regardless of how many people start creating content, the reach will decline. But the um, the reach now is just declining on Instagram has way faster user growth than LinkedIn. And the platform has been going for seven years. There's a there's a lot of runway here yeah. um, that I'm not, uh, I'm not all that concerned about. A lot of people run Google ads. Some people have more success at it than others. The, the execution in my mind, the actual tactic that you're doing, a lot of people are like, yeah, we do social. Mm -hmm. Which means that they post a picture of their company picnic once a month on Facebook and think that that's doing social. Yeah. I think about it very differently. And so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's, to me, it's really not that much about how many people or your competitors are doing it. It's about what works the best right now and how good are you at it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you mentioned yeah. the picnic uh, picture around like a corporate, I, I presume you meant a corporate social media account, right? Uh, so yeah. So many um, B2B businesses, like your target audience, uh, are a bit... Um, you know, a bit worried in terms of content creation because they think it should be very formal. It should be, uh, you know, within a certain guide guidelines and stuff like that. Do you actually see any difference? I mean, because I think that B2B marketing, you still market to people. It's still kind of, you know, the, it's the another level of, at the end of the day, it's still B2C because you're talking to individuals, you're talking to the CEOs or decision makers of a bis another business and they are still you know, human and there are people you're talking to, right? Do you see any specifics or any big difference between B2B and B2C marketing? No, I, th I think that's a, I think that's a, like a really hard question to ask. So I want to put a kind of a clarifier in there. I don't, I, there, there are differences. There, there are differences, meaningful differences. Um, I am not sure most of the best things that we do are things that we have I've seen work on me as a consumer from a B2C company. And mm -hmm. then I figured out how to make that work in a B2B model. Mm -hmm. Running Instagram story ads to deliver content or to show a video, not to have someone sign up for a demo works. Mm -hmm. But B2B companies, the only major difference in the difference between B2B and B2C is that B2C companies are typically marketing led. They sell products that don't require, in a lot of cases, a sales force, unless you look at like auto dealers and some high uh, consumer purchase. But like, you know, most products are sold with with marketing, whether through a retailer or direct to consumer, without a sales team. The only other difference is that B two B companies have been traditionally sales driven. Yeah, they and so therefore they invest more heavily in sales. They, um, when, if they do do marketing, in most cases, they measure their marketing like they would measure a sales development team on sure. leads and activities that don't actually matter. 
that don't actually map to the end result usually, or at least not in the best way possible. Um, and so people, marketers in B2B, and I have a lot of empathy for this because I've lived in it, struggle to actually do effective things because they work in management structures that think like salespeople, not like marketers. And so like my number one advice, a lot of people say this, some people push back on me, some people appreciate it, whatever your opinion is, it doesn't, uh, anyone doesn't matter. It's like, if you are in B2B, right, maybe not right now, but if I said this three months ago, um, if you work in a B2B company right now and your CEO does not believe in marketing mm -hmm. or you report to a salesperson, you report to the VP of sales, not a marketing leader, it's time to move on. Yeah. It's your, it's, your career not sure. is not, yeah. your career is not going anywhere as a marketer. If you're in that situation, you will continue. You might move up in that company, not as fast as you could. If you work somewhere else, the, yeah. especially if you're younger, the first 10 years of your career is about building skills and yes. learning and working with smart people and actually starting to like find your own, you first learn and then find your own way to do things. And mm -hmm. if you are in a company that doesn't give you the flexibility to start doing things your own way, which you never will be, if your CEO doesn't believe in marketing, doesn't invest in it, or you report to a salesperson that's going to drive you to do the same bullshit stuff, sure. then, then it's time to move on. Or it's time to just take a deep look in the mirror and say, by making, you know, I might need to work here for whatever reason. I have student loans at this, blah, blah, blah. I, I might need to stay here for a little while longer. But look yourself in the mirror and know that you're slowing down your career by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, it's it's kind of, you know, especially in um, um, in the tech sphere, yeah, many tech companies, for, for them, marketing totally. is always kind of, you know, at, at the end sales. of the story. Uh, yeah, sure. sales or even, you know, they, they when, when they start up, they, they focus on building the tech, building the product, etc. And when it's already late and it's already kind of a month or two months before the launch, then they remember that, oh, maybe we should hire someone to do marketing for the go-to-market uh, strategy, for example, mm -hmm. while you, you, you know, you lose so much time. Uh, of of that whole period when when this whole thing was being built like about yeah. a year and we can, when we you could can have go, done so much right we we could go on do a whole nother podcast in in this area but if you're hire if you hire a marketing leader one month before launch you've already set them up to fail yeah absolutely like yeah you you we wouldn't ICP, even take it up positioning right? messaging all the things that people don't uh don't think about all the people that think are not important are the most important we only work with companies that have a well-defined icp have product market fit have traction the metrics and sig have a good retention rate all the metrics and signals show that they've done the strategic work up front because if yeah. not if you inject marketing into a place where they don't have a focused icp you don't know how to target you don't know how to message you don't know who you're selling to you don't they're understand them, the dark. you're yeah. going yeah. to fail yeah Absolutely. And so, oh, and, and fail might be an extreme word, but you're going to limit your upside. You're going to st you slow down your growth by not doing those things and not having a marketing person that understands how important those, those pieces are and is involved with them. Um, and so I think a lot of companies don't even think about that. Mm -hmm. They just think, okay, we'll get this, we'll get the product. We'll, we'll hire a sales team. We'll sell it to whoever we can. And then, you know, maybe when we get to 10 million ARR, we'll like think about what, uh, who we're actually going to sell to. Maybe we'll then we'll hire market. And what they don't realize is that, um, is that a lot of them never get to 10 million ARR because of those choices. Yeah. So, um, a lot of, I mean, over the past 10 years, there have been a lot of companies that should not be in business right now that have raised enough money to stay in business and will go out of business over the next 12 months. Yeah, that will ha that will happen. Um, and so this is a time I mean, it's it, for many and this is tough to say, but for many, it's probably too late. You're you're burning $12 million a year on $4 million in revenue. And you need to go you have six months of cash left and you need to go raise money. You're going to really struggle. I think I think a lot of people will have trouble with that. So um, yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough times, but as we said, we you know it's it's the time to adapt and adjust and revisit and and cre- be, be more creative in terms of the way you look at things. So, if we have to wrap up, like you know, at this period, um, what's the advice that you're you're giving um, people about their businesses? Like, what should they pay attention to when they are reevaluating the whole situation and their business model and their marketing? What should they look at? Yeah, I've been, I've been advising people on a few core steps. Um, So, and they're in, in no particular order here. Um, The first one is operational efficiency. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and for, for us, luckily, because we've been smart about how we've built the business, like there's no headcount cuts for us, but we are getting rid of unnecessary software tools, um, any other variable expenses that don't matter. Operational efficiency would be the number one mm-hmm. thing that I do. Um, I do first. The next thing that I would do um, and that I've done myself is you need to reevaluate your how you're operating as a human and then mm-hmm. have each person in your company reevaluate that themselves. So like I am, I works, I'm working six days a week to adjust to this. I'll probably end working more hours and for better or worse, that's that right now you'll probably, I'm probably going to work more and get less, but mm-hmm. it's better than working the same and going out of business. And so, yeah. And so I think people need to look at that. The third thing is with those extra hours and whatever your team is doing to adjust to that, a laser focus on your existing customer base. Yes. Number one. Um, So how can you create more value than what they're paying, even more value than what they're paying you for? How can you get them to have more success? How can you tie either your product service, whatever you're doing to a number that actually matters for their business revenue or cost savings efficiency that's worth way more from an ROI standpoint? How can you get to that level where they say, hey, we're not sure if this is worth it. We're paying you $15,000 a month and like this. uh, And then you can clearly go back to them and say, well, look, you paid us $15,000 a month. We spent $50,000 in ads. So it's $65,000 a month that you just paid right now. But we generated $200,000 $200,000 in ARR, which then if you look at it from a valuation standpoint, let's just pretend you're going to go on and exit for 5x valuation, then we just added a million dollar valuation to your business in one month for $65,000 in investment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it becomes very justifiable. Most people can't don't aren't able to have that level of business conversation. So figure out how um, the next place would be on product. So companies mm-hmm. right now, especially product-based companies, this is a really good time to go deep into figuring out how to differentiate and add more value inside of your product. Mm-hmm. More resources, more sprints, bring in whatever you, whatever you want to do. Uh, my guess is that you're not going to be selling as much. So yeah. whether that's diverting resources or whatever you need to do, figure out how to get them more into product. And the last one, which I, I think, depending on the type of business, could be the most important, is focus on brand and content. Um, so a lot of companies, um, haven't even gotten to here yet. They've been direct response, performance marketing focused forever. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be tough for them to start to make this transition. Their performance marketing is going to work way less right now than it did 60 days ago. And if they actually look at their spend, which they're going to be forced to by management, the CFO, the CEO to say, okay, we spent $50,000 a month on, on Google AdWords and LinkedIn ads last week or last month, and we got a 1000 leads and zero deals, we just threw $50,000 in the trash to waste our sales team's time, then they're gonna have to get forced to figure out how to do something else. Yeah, for some PPC won't even work because they are completely irrelevant services for the moment, right? Like, you know, tourism related stuff and, you know, some other areas, which no matter how you market and no matter how many PPC ads you're going to run, it's not going to sell anyway. And and everyone knows that in advance for the upcoming Mm -hmm. few months. They just, you know, yeah. So put all those different pieces together and then figure out how to how to reverse engineer all the different things about the people that you're trying to sell to eventually need right now really need not 15 tips to work from home what they really need and then give it to them 
consistently and frequently so that when we come out of this in three, six, nine, 24, whatever like the time is, that when they need to buy something that you do, that they buy you. Yeah. And, and um, I think that's really, that's the way that I always think about things. I'm not trying to get a sale tomorrow. I'm trying to get a sale when it's right for the person that that's trying to buy um, and helping them create awareness. So when they do recognize that they decide to use me and not someone, someone else or a different method to, to generate revenue for their business. Um, that's how I always think that's uh, in my experience, very little how most startup founders would think. Yeah. I, um, I think it's the best time to, to build relationships. It's, uh, you know, people have more time, they can pay more attention, they spend more time on social media and, and relationships is what they will, you know, remember in terms of how much value you delivered, how you made them feel, uh, whether you were around or not. So I, I guess that's that's the best time spent at the moment, with especially with the existing clients to make them feel special. So yeah, I totally agree. Those are, the, uh, those are the five core buckets um, that I would focus on. And it's, I mean, kind of interesting, but none of them were sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's about, it's about maintaining and through the brand impact and through the organic channels that happen, like you will get sales. It's just not, it, I, I think that it's going to be really tough, probably ROI negative to continue to focus there. We'll see how this all plays out. It's a little too early to tell right now how this is going to go, but it could end up going that way. Like um, it, the the negative impact on brand perception, if I received five cold calls today, would not be worth the potential of making one sale. I agree. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, that's how I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, thank you so much for um, dedicating the time for the podcast. Uh, I mean, I, I think podcasts are the best way to to create relationships, the fastest way. So it's it's I, I totally love this opportunity to to meet new people and and um, talk to them. So thanks a lot for coming. Uh, stay safe, stay home, and hopefully we'll get out of all this uh, much stronger. Absolutely, thank you for having me, and awesome to meet you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's it, guys. That's all that I had for you today. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate every single one of you. And if you would like to help me out uh, growing this podcast and gaining more exposure, please make sure that you subscribe to it and leave a review because it will mean a lot to me. Uh, meanwhile, I already have a really cool interview prepared for you for the next week. So tune in and uh, you'll get something fresh next week. If you want to get it before, and uh, in a video version then you have to check out my LinkedIn profile or Facebook one Annie Alexander on both of them uh, so if you want to already watch it now you can watch the replay of the live stream if no next week you'll have the audio version uh, and I hope that you'll enjoy that one too take care and have a nice day evening or morning wherever you are take care bye mm -hmm.